Uh, greetings, my name is Adam Draycott and you are watching the online ministry from St Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. Uh, this has been prepared for the 25th of July 2021. Our sentence of scripture today comes from Psalm 68. God is in his holy habitation. God gives the desolate a home to dwell in. He gives power and strength to his people. We continue our series today on godly leadership. And it's interesting, the theme or the picture of being in a home will come up there as well. Our collect prayer. Let's bow our heads. God, our Father and Protector, without you... Nothing is holy. Nothing has value. Guide us to everlasting life by helping us to use wisely the blessings you have given to us. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let's have a time of praise.
We come to the ministry of God's Word and our Bible readings are Proverbs 25, verses 1 to 12, Psalm 133, and our preaching passage is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Well, this is talk number two in our series on godly leadership. Uh, this is a topic for everybody. Why? Well, if we're leaders, we need to exercise leadership biblically and if we're followers we are right to expect biblical leadership uh, godly leadership is also one of the core values here at St Augustine's Anglican Church in Burrell last week we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 let me remind you what it says do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who correctly handles the word of truth being a one approved clearly involves correctly handling the word of truth cutting it straight that was last week but of course you can be the best preacher in the world but if you don't have character you've got nothing we're going to look at two passages today one timothy chapter 3 speaks to our overseers and uh, will also return to Timothy chapter 2 in this talk. So be prepared for that. Both speak to this important topic of character in leadership. But let me pray before we continue further. Our Father God, we ask for your help as we come to this important topic. Now speak to our hearts and minds by your Spirit. Grow us in Christ. Um, uh, teach us now so that we know what biblical leadership looks like as we uh, experience it or as we seek to practice it. Uh, we ask for your help again so that you would be glorified most of all. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lists qualifications for being an overseer and uh, hopefully you've read that passage, you've read it out loud. Uh, when you see that word overseer, maybe it grabs you. Uh, think pastor or preaching elder or vicar, uh, bishop even fits. Certainly senior leadership is on view. And notice all the points uh, that followed uh, in the passage. There are about 12 of them. Uh, Nearly all of them speak to character or relationships, but but how many are about actual teaching and the ability to teach? There's just one, just one, one out of 12. And so for those of us who are able to teach, the temptation is to read those words and focus on those words and those words alone like it's the only thing that matters. I've arrived, yay, I can teach, let's go. But can I say scoring one out of two is not a pass mark here. Um, a leader's character can never be an afterthought. Being a good Bible teacher is wonderful and essential, but it's never to justify weakness in behaviour or conduct or character. Here is a trustworthy saying, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. 
Uh, now, the overseer is to be above reproach. What does that mean? Uh, well, I believe it's all that follows. So what does it mean to be above reproach? He tells us, faithful to his wife. So they're in a committed, loving relationship. And there's one wife here, uh, singular, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, uh, not given a drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Uh, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Verse 5 is kind of like, you know, let's face it. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? You could do a talk on any one of those qualifications, really. There's a lot there. But I want you to see how horizontal these qualifications are. It's not vertical, like it's about me and God. No, it's horizontal. It's about me and my wife, or me and my children, or me and my neighbours. Interpersonal relationships, then, are an indicator of senior leadership. Why? Because the family unit, particularly, is a pattern for how the church family is to roll. Those roles and those dynamics in the family unit, they have a fuller expression in the context of a church family. And so, again, let's face it, if one can't manage their own household and their own family, how on earth, why on earth would you entrust them with the greater thing of a church family? It's interesting. So it's very practical and logical at that point. Now, it's interesting Again, Paul doesn't focus on vertical relationships here. It's not got a me stuff. Um, and so no one can say it's all, this leadership thing, it's all about me. There's no space for personal entitlement here or personal ambition or even personal experience because, you know, God told me. No, Paul is actually saying it's the experience of everybody else around you. As they testify, as they bear witness. See, how does God nudge people in the ministry? Well, God uses his church. God uses his church people who know 1 Timothy chapter 3. They understand godly biblical leadership. And so they've encouraged the right people into more responsibility in the service of our King and Lord and Saviour. Nudge people into Bible college, nudge people into ministry, maybe overseas mission or maybe even ministry in this diocese, even our bishop. He's called to the job, how? By the work of a Christian community. We call it a synod. A synod means we go together, travelling together. And as a diocese, we go together and we make important decisions like that, most particularly regarding the appointment of our chief uh, under-shepherd and overseer, Bishop Rod Chiswell, and others before him. And so the, the appointment of ministry leaders, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. See your part then. See why you need to be across this important topic. See again the emphasis on community here. In fact, this is why Paul writes this letter that we call 1 Timothy. Why does Paul write this letter? You can see the answer in verse 15. 
The Apostle Paul says to his mate Tim, You'll know how people, if I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. There it is. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Uh, this is super important. This is why it's written. So we will know how to get on. And so we all need to be across it. Now the list continues. Verse 6. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. This good reputation language, that beyond reproach thing is back. It's there. And so the, such leaders are not dishonorable. They're not green. They're not shameful. They're not, they're not a public disgrace. Their public image is actually the opposite. Uh, these guys are blameless and honorable and full of integrity. And again, why? Why is this so important? Because our public witness matters. Evangelism matters. Mission matters. All of these things matter. And at the top of it is this overseeing role, senior leadership, which is why it's so devastating when senior leaders fail. And so here's another reason why our list is horizontal. Our public witness, our reputation in the broader community as Christians who bear the gospel matters enormously. And notice what was at stake too. Notice that the devil's there and he's got a target on our leaders. Absolutely. We're a particular target. It's a good reminder to be praying. Now come with me over to 2 Timothy. We were here last week. And so hopefully uh, this your memory's working well and you can remember uh, that 2 Timothy is a bit broader in its application of leadership principles, right? So this isn't just for the overseas. Now this is more broader than that. We read last week, uh, having told Timothy to cut it straight, verse 15, Paul moves on to character as one approved. It's both character and the word. Verse 20, uh, let's pick it up there. Uh, we missed this, but here it is now. Uh, he pitches a, a large house. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are, are for special purposes. Others are, some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves of the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Is this large house, can you picture Downton Abbey? I don't think the Apostle Paul did at that point. It's a large house nonetheless. And is with any great house, there's a huge number of articles in it. And some are for special purposes and some are just common. Uh, but quite literally, uh, I'm going to criticize a translation here. It should read, and maybe yours says this, it's much better to say some are for noble purposes and some are for ignoble purposes or not noble purposes. Um, some are useful for glorious tasks and others are useless. That's what Paul is saying, I believe. Uh, so the encouragement then is be about the glorious purpose, verse 21. Be holy people. Be useful to the master. Be prepared to do any good work. And now if 
1 Timothy 3 was all about the vertical, uh, the horizontal. Now it's, it's this way, isn't it? It's vertical. And Paul, again, this imagery of the household, we had that again in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. But here in 2 Timothy 2, the, the large household, it's still the, the people of God, absolutely. And I guess as, as we comprehend this picture of the large house being the people of God, I guess the question being put by Paul here as he talks about God's household, he's saying, well, some articles are God glorifying, other articles aren't so much. The question then is, well, do I, am I going to be a silver platter or am I going to be a bin bag in God's household? Uh, will I, by that I mean, will I be glorifying to the master in my service to him or is it just going to be rubbish? Now, that might sound harsh, but remember the context here in 2 Timothy. If you remember last week, it was Hymenaeus and Philetus. Man, they were, they were the bin bag here. Uh, their teaching was rubble, rubbish. These guys were the ignoble purposes. And Paul is driving us. He wants Timothy to see, and he wants us to see, we want to be in verse 15. We want to be God-approved. We don't want to be in the word, not ashamed, cutting it straight. Notice now in verse 21, the key to cleanliness, those who cleanse themselves of the ignoble purposes, the common, the bin bag, well, will be instruments for noble purposes made holy, noble purposes. Uh, that was the overseer back in 1 Timothy 3, wasn't it? That's, that's interesting. But see, the godliness of character is here. Now, it's not just teaching. There's a pursuit of godly character here. Now, he continues, what marks out the person of godly character? Well, let's run through this. Verse 22, they're going to flee the evil desires of their youth. Uh, that word youth applies to anyone under the age of 40 in its context. That's not me being funny. I wish it was true in our context though it's a bit late for me but you you get the meaning uh he's talking about immature desires like being impatient with the status quo or self-assertion or resistance to authority or grudging obedience which some people never grow out of that's true uh oh, i can't forget uh, immature desires of the youth also uh, applies to how we think about sex and that can be destructive as well and Paul is saying, spot these desires in ourselves and to flee. Use your legs and run away from them. Don't feed on these desires. In, instead, we are to actually run the other way from such things. And where do we run to? Well, we run, uh, we pursue, verse 22, righteousness, faith, love, peace. Um, how do we do that? Who do we do it with? Who are our running partners? Well, it's there. Uh, pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Who's your running partner? Think about your church family. If you're in church, I'd say look around. Look at your running partners. These are the people that you run with and pursue these things with. Here we see community again, togetherness. 
As we use our spiritual legs to pursue these good things, we do it along with others in a community as a household of God, which means we never run as a lone ranger. Adam is never to be a solo man who is friendless, and nor are you. We are to run along with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Isn't that nice? Again, who are my running partners? Who are yours? Who do you run after such things with? Things like righteousness and faith and love. Maybe they're people in your Bible study group. Maybe they're people that you sit closely to in church, in the pew, or those about you. Now, this is a good reminder for ministry leaders, right? We know James Bond, don't we? That guy. Uh, surprise, you're not James Bond. You're not meant to be. James Bond, is he friendless? Well, yeah, pretty much. He's, well, any friend he's got is usually dead by the end of the movie. Um, he's a lonely, restless hero that thinks it's all up to him, that he can conquer and save the world. Uh, watch him go. He fights. He wins on his own. He's not accountable to anyone for anything. And this is not the way for ministry leaders. Feelings of loneliness and isolation for ministry leaders is not okay. It's not only, but do you see this morning, today rather, it's not only a personal problem, it's actually a community problem. It's everybody's problem. And it's a win for the devil. It's not okay. We don't fight on our own. We don't lose on our own. Godly character thrives in a pack. There are no lone wolves. Which is why being in church physically is important. Because you need to go to church and turn up and you need to encourage your leaders. Simply by being there. Park your bum on the pew and know that you are a huge encouragement to your pastor, whoever they are. But it's also a reminder about this community stuff, why theological study in the context of community is super important. Doing stuff online by distance, it's, it's, um, it's not the best option. It's a, an option that's good to do it, sure, but it's not the ideal, in my opinion, if you're going to do theological study. Uh, but don't not do it. Uh, it's just not the best option. Not only do we need quick feet, we need quick lips. Verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What a tragedy it is when people fall into that trap. It's a reminder that teachers need to, be, uh, need to keep their cool. Uh, words can be devastating. Uh, Quarrelling can be counterproductive and distractive. And this is a challenge in ministry. Uh, for me personally, uh, I need to work on that. I need to be someone who keeps my cool. I need to understand the power of my words can be absolutely devastating to people. But of course, we contend for the gospel. It doesn't stop us from speaking. 
We must stand and oppose false teaching and false thinking, absolutely, as we love and pastor people. But as Rico Tice rightly observes, kindness and firmness are not opposites. Does not mean every disagreement must be uh, a public quarrel. Does not mean that every hill is a hill to die on. It does not mean that every social media post outrage or controversy demands my contribution. It doesn't mean that. It does does not mean uh, that kindness is ever sacrificed in the name of defending the truth. It does mean that we should contend in a way that is gracious. And for our ministry leaders, when we're under the most pressure, this is a good reminder for me and colleagues and parish councillors, everybody, being kind and gracious, always. But remember, it's not the same as shifting or compromising or accommodating or enabling sin. Being kind and gracious doesn't mean that we accommodate poor behaviour. No parent does that. No responsible parent does that. Remember Jesus in John 8, the adulterous woman about to be stoned. Jesus intervenes, saves her life. His kindness is extraordinary, but before we're tempted to think how accepting and inclusive Jesus is and tolerant and all those words, remember his last words to her. Go now and leave your life of sin. He calls her out. And so here we are. Here is godly leadership. And here is the call. Yes, cut the word straight. But here today, see the encouragement to get our character right too. Our leaders need to be people that are striving for godliness. We do it in the dependence of the Holy Spirit, not on our own. And we do it in community, not alone. And we seek the applause of one, the only applause that matters. Because failure is being really good at things that don't matter a hoot in eternity. And success, well, that's cutting the word straight. And it's living a godly life. And hearing the words from our Heavenly Father, from the only lips that matter, well done, good and faithful servant. May we all hear those words. Uh, Amen. We're not alone, for Christ is here.
creeping dread in every heart. Lost in the world, now God departs, God reflected on God's word, please take a moment uh, to spend praying. Uh, please pray through all that we've read and considered uh, just now. Uh, pray in light of God's word, please. It's a, a helpful discipline to, to have. Pray for our leaders, for our bishop, for the dean of our cathedral, uh, for the clergy of this diocese, for our lay ministers, our lay preachers, God bless them, uh, those, uh, all who uh, express leadership over us. Um, COVID remains a thing. Uh, pray for the sick, the lonely and the outcast. Pray for global mission. Um, yeah, I commend all of that to you. There are some ideas, but whatever the case, start praying.